from my dining table or my living room couch, and sometimes even my bedroom, this is Soon to Be Esquire, the podcast. I'm your host, Madison Tory. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Soon to Be Esquire. I am your host, Madison Tory, and today we have a special episode. So excited to have our guest for this episode. It is the soon-to-be professional part two episode in this second or two-part series with our amazing, amazing guest, Diana Mercer. She is currently the director of the Career Development Office at Loyola University, New Orleans College of Law. She's an amazing individual, um, amazing attorney, so many credentials. She actually also attended Loyola in 2002 is when she graduated, and she was practicing for about 10 years before coming back to Loyola to the Career Development Office. And us students, we are incredibly lucky to have her. Um, She's helped me tremendously. Goodness, the first, (laughs) definitely the first year, uh, the first semester especially, I remember I went to her office and I asked her, okay, so I know we're just about a month in, but what do I need to do? I'm ready. She was just like, whoa, (laughs) okay, nice to meet you. (laughs) And she was just like, hey, focus on classes right now. Come back in in a few more weeks or in another month or so and we can we can <laughs> chat, but um, amazing, amazing introduction to meet her. And I cannot wait to get into the, this interview and into the questions. So thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Well, I am thrilled to be here, Madison. Um, I, I will say before we begin that uh, for all the listeners, Madison is the ideal law student um, in no. that she came <laughs> for many reasons, but one of which is that she did come and you know, was first thing coming to see us. And even though I did say focus on schoolwork, I was thrilled because it showed she was really motivated and really engaged and, and it's great. And she's remained so, so I'm, this podcast is evidence of that. So I really appreciate you having oh, that's so um, involved in all this and inviting me to speak. I appreciate it. Um, I don't have a whole lot more to add. Uh, Madison, you covered my background pretty well. Um, I'll probably go into more detail as we go through the interview, but um, <laughs> let's go ahead and get started. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, so the first question I have for you basically is, what has your legal journey like been? Why did you choose law school? Um, Was it something from childhood or some movie (laughs) TV show where you were like, yep, that's it. I want to be an attorney. Well, you know, uh, no, unfortunately. Um, So um, as by kind of way of background, um, I come from a Cuban family and my grandfather was an attorney in Cuba. And so when they came to the United States, um, he was bound and determined that one of his kids or grandkids would be a lawyer. And so he was always trying to convince me, you should oh, be a wow. lawyer. It's great. It's <laughs> wonderful. And I wanted nothing to do with the law. Um, I was more interested in kind of one-on-one people interactions and helping people mm-hmm. in that way. And in my mind at the time, um, you were, you know, in court all the time arguing and lawyers were super aggressive people and all was like, that's not me, you know. So I majored in psychology, um, dual major in psychology and anthropology at Georgia State University. And then I got my master's in counseling and I started working with um, 
populations who were extremely challenged. I worked with um, people who were out on probation and parole um, for substance abuse issues and um, criminal, other criminal matters. Um, at the time, it was a heavy prosecution oh, wow. of all kinds of very minor drug offenses, but people who were required to be in counseling as part of their probation and parole. I worked with people who had HIV and AIDS, women, um, specifically and, and their issues with child with their children and where their children were going to go and all the issues mm-hmm. along that. And this is um, in the late nineties. So the landscape was very different back then um, legally and socially too. And um, also with some victims of domestic violence. And so what I started to see was the intersection of law in these areas. And I became really interested in how the legal system had such a profound effect on my clients. And it really got me thinking. And I had been thinking about what the next step would be. Um, I knew I wanted to get a degree past a master's degree and whether that was going to be a PhD in psychology or something else. And I started to see that the law really would give me a lot of flexibility and how I could Mm -hmm. help. Um, When I looked at getting a PhD in psychology, in addition to being six years versus three, um, (laughs) I I, I saw that I could be a therapist and I could be a researcher. Um, And that was, those are great. Um, But with a law degree, I saw how I could do so many things. I could do policy. I could be an advocate. I could do pro bono work. I could do a range of things. And so mm-hmm. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do. I wanted that flexibility, I guess. So that led me to law school and led me to Loyola. I love that. I think there's, when I first thought of the law and that how I wanted to be an attorney, I definitely had an idea of one thing mm-hmm. as well, but then it wasn't definitely not until I think it was the middle of first semester or after my first semester at Loyola, when I realized there are so many areas mm-hmm. and there's so many things that you can do with your law degree as well, yeah. rather than just being, you know, a practicing attorney. And it's truly an amazing thing. And especially as I am finishing up my 2L year, I took the class um, family uh-huh. law and just seeing how, even just with that area of law, how it affects so many yes. other areas <laughs> of law as well. I'm like, oh my goodness, this yeah. is this is just I, it all interlinking um, with everything and truly every aspect of truly life so. is, um, yeah, it's really unique and it's interesting. And I think uh, that's one of the many ways why so many people are attracted mm-hmm. to the legal field. But I would love to know what were some of your steps getting into law school? So um, when you were thinking about what law schools to apply for, or even preparing for the LSAT, what was going through your mind at that wow. point um, when you decided like, okay, um, I have this psychology degree, seeing my clients go through this process. Yep. This is the moment when I realized this is what I, I want to do. Next. Well, and you know, a lot of that journey is really tied up with New Orleans um, because mm. I had, um, once I was a fresh master's student working in Atlanta um, where I'm from. I was born and raised in Atlanta. And I came here for a weekend for a conference. And I always knew I wanted to leave Atlanta at least briefly. Um, and came here and fell in love with the city over the course of a week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and decided when I'm ready, I'm going to move. So I did. I moved here to New Orleans. And I started working at Family Service of Greater New Orleans on Canal Street, where I did my work with um, uh, clients who were out on probation and parole. And mm-hmm. that's when I had started thinking, okay, well, what's next? I've moved cities and everything. And so what, what is the next step? 
Um, and so I started looking at law schools and I took the LSAT and then started looking at law schools, I should say. Um, and you know, it was kind of a blur. I remember reviewing study guides, um, back then it was books, (laughs) nothing online. (laughs) Wow. I'm really aging myself, but yes, there were books. You guys, she looks amazing. She looks great. I'm so glad this is not video. Um, very, very guide. Um, but this was in the ancient days, um, where it was all books and paper tests and everything. And so I did that. Um, and I talked to, I had a friend of mine from college who had gone to law school. And so she told me a little bit about what the test was about and, you know, that kind of thing. So I took it, not knowing what really was going on, but I did that and I started looking at schools and I really wanted to stay in New Orleans. Um, and so obviously LSU was out because it was Baton Rouge, which is, you know, five hours, 10 hours. I mean, it's really an hour and a half away, mm-hmm. but it felt like a whole different thing. <laughs> Um, and so I looked at Loyola and Tulane and I was admitted to both, but, um, one, my financial aid at Loyola candidly was more generous. Um, so that mm-hmm. frankly did play a big role, but oh, I chose Loyola primarily in addition to that, but primarily because, um, when I called the admissions office, I was Michelle Allison Davis, Dean, Dean Davis at the time. She said, well, come on in, let's chat. And I went in, actually, ironically, in the office I now inhabit. Uh, that used to be the admissions <laughs> suite. It's a little strange. Oh. Yeah. Um, but she and I talked for a good hour, and she was so welcoming, and she told me all about Loyola and how supportive they were. And mm-hmm. as I was leaving, she pulled in a couple students to say hello, and I was so impressed with how warm the school was. Um, mm-hmm. And at Tulane, they you know they sent me a, you're an admitted letter and I called the admissions office. I didn't get a call back. And then I called again and they're like, yeah, if you want to come by, that's fine. And it just, Mm -hmm. and not to talk badly about Tulane, it's an excellent, excellent law school. And I, you know, and I have nothing but respect for the law school, but I think for me, I went to a Catholic high school for 12 years from kindergarten to high school, 12 (laughs) years. And I am not, um, candidly a very religious practicing religious person but there is mm-hmm. something very welcoming and comforting about the the Jesuit identity um and then I just felt really at home and very mm-hmm. comfortable and so I decided to to come to Loyola and and that's where I was and it was um a, a fantastic experience I love law school I loved it yes yeah yes strangely enough that was my experience with Loyola as oh. well um, <laughs> financial aid package was amazing. And I was just like, well, I don't know. And Loyola was the only law school that I applied to in the state. And I applied to everywhere else. I was like, I'm so open. I don't know where I want to be. Yep. And it wasn't until I visited the school and I knew I'm like, okay, the admissions office, they're going to sell me. Right. I know what they're going to do. But it wasn't until I really was able to interact with the students. I'm like, okay, I know law school is going to be a competitive environment no matter where you go. But it was so, so warm and welcoming from the students where I was quite surprised. And so that's kind of yes. what sealed the deal for and me. And you know, like I, crazy. it is crazy. And I still feel like Loyola, um, when I was there as a student and now working for Loyola, I see that same thread that. You know, mm-hmm. students don't hide the books from each other. It's right. very caring. And so it's, it's a nice environment. Yeah. It is. I would love to know a bit uh, about your law school experience. Mm-hmm. Career-wise, I would definitely um, want to know, basically, what were you doing during the summers? Was it the kind of traditional, like, law firm or organization 
opportunities? And then during your 2L or 3L year, did you have any academic externship opportunities as well? So um, I, you know, (laughs) being uh, ironically now in the career office, (laughs) I did not, I did do, and I'll, I'll respond to you, but I really did not take advantage of all the things I'm sure that Loyola had to offer <laughs> school and the presentations and the programs and everything. Um, so I, I understand the law student perspective. So I look back and think, Oh my gosh. Um, but uh, yes, I did. So I worked uh, through the Gillis Long program, actually my first summer at um, what is now Southeast Louisiana legal at the time it was called okay. Black New Orleans legal assistance. I think it was. And I worked there in the domestic violence unit. Um, and it was great. Although I did rule out, family law after that time, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, for all that I thought I wanted to help in that way, I realized that was just, uh, too emotionally draining. Mm -hmm. Um, and the people who do that are just, uh, you know, I, I have nothing but awe and admiration for people who work in that space. But, um, I realized it wasn't for me, but I did make some wonderful friends and, um, connections through my work there um, and was so grateful to be funded. And that was one thing that Loyola has, the Gillis program that Mm -hmm. we had back in in my day um, and continues on has only grown since then. Um, So that was a really great experience. And the cool thing about it was, is that, you know, there were no layers at Southeast. You, if you're the law clerk, you're going to file things. (laughs) You are going to get the sheriff to serve (laughs) that pleading. You're going, you know, you're doing all the things. And so I got a lot of really practical experience. Um, and then my second summer, uh, I did on campus interviews, which used to be basically on the Bolton board, a post-it, you know, that, okay, this firm is interviewing, submit your resume. Mm-hmm. It's very low tech. Um, and so I worked with, um, firm of Jones Walker, my first half of the summer. And then I volunteered at Southeast Louisiana legal, the second half, because I still wasn't entirely sure where, um, I wanted to be. And, you know, you have to make mm-hmm. those decisions um, pretty early in the fall of your second year um, when you're committing to to that uh, firm. And so I committed to that, right. but I really also still felt drawn to public interest work and um, in some way. So I worked there in the regular family law unit, not domestic violence, but regular family law and helped out with some housing and disability work too. So I did that. Um, in terms of during the school year, um, I didn't really do much. Um, and like I said, I did not take advantage. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say, um, I was on, um, a law review journal. And so we had work with that. Um, right. but I should have done a clinic. I kick myself that I didn't do a clinic, but I didn't. Um, and I think that's one thing that drives me now with students, you know, and, and there are so many opportunities, um, but to, to not let those pass because when you're in law school, it is such a great time to just test things out and give yourself the skills that are really going to help when you are in practice. And that's one of the things Mm -hmm. I really wish I had done. Definitely. Definitely. I love that you just shared, you know, you figured out what you weren't interested in as well, not just what you are interested in, because I think that is as equally yes. if not more important oh my gosh. than figuring out you know, what you're actually interested Well, you know, in. the one thing, and that's so, so very true, um, that the, the law is so huge. There, you know, yes. It's endlessly huge. It's overwhelming. So if you rule out even a few things, you're already doing yourself a favor. Um, mm-hmm. And I like keeping an open mind and everything, but it is nice to, to have 
you know, and, and interestingly, and I see this sometimes with students, and it was my, true for me. I came in thinking, oh, I definitely want to be family, be a family law lawyer. And then I did mm-hmm. it and did some of that work, and I realized I don't. And, and that's fine. You, know, you just move in a different direction. Right. Completely mm-hmm. fine. Um, I would love to know more about how you kind of returned back to Loyola. And I know earlier on before you uh, went went to law school, you were interacting with clients and you have a major in psychology. And you said you were always interested in basically working and interacting with people. Is that kind of what led you back to your current position with the career development office? Yeah. And, and, you know, before I kind of go into that, I suppose like how much, you know, people make jokes about being a lawyer and, oh, you know, oh, you've retired from being a lawyer now that you're in um, law school and back in the career office and everything. And, and I feel like I've never really retired from being a lawyer. And I, I love mm-hmm. the legal profession. I loved being a lawyer. Um, there are parts of it that were, that I didn't love. <laughs> um, but the fact of being an advocate in that way is something I always really valued. And so I, after law school, I went to work with um, the firm I worked with over my second year summer. Uh, Jones Walker and I was there for a few years as an associate in the commercial litigation section. Um, worked on contracts, employment cases, um, did some IP work. Um, I had a, a fun case um, involving juvenile and cash money records that really, I feel like my whole legal career, like I can never top that. That was really, that was probably <laughs> the best thing I've ever done. <laughs> I was like third or fourth chair on it. I was so da- low down on it. That is cool. It was fun. It was, um, so juvenile um, and cash money records are being sued by DJ Jubilee over the, um, the song back that ass up and then a couple of beats in the song. And (laughs) so we got to defend, um, we were defending universal, which is a distributor anyway. And so that was Mm -hmm. tremendously fun. Um, federal court trial. It was very rare for a new associate. We had a great time. So I did that for a while. Um, and you know, the reality of big firm life is that it is extremely, um, stressful in the work that you're doing, but then also, you know, internally politicking, you know, and you're trying to get, our, do I want to be a partner here? And if so, you have to position right. yourself in certain ways. Mm-hmm. And that kind of internal politicking thing was never my, my deal. I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. great at it. And I just also, you know, wasn't where I saw myself being partner. And I went to a medium sized firm, Gordon Arata, it's now Gordon Arata, Montgomery Barnett. And, and, it, and it was wonderful there too. And I have to say, like, I'm extremely fortunate that I loved all the work I did um, and the people I worked with um, are some of my, still my closest friends, my contacts. I'm still in touch with my colleagues at Jones Walker um, and at Gordon Arata. They call me now, you know, when they're participating and hiring and all this. And it, we still have, you know, it was a phenomenal experience. I always knew maybe because I came to law school a little bit later and having worked before that, well, this probably wasn't the ultimate path for me, but it was Mm -hmm. a really good one. And then Katrina hit. And um, when Katrina hit, I felt like it was such a time to evaluate where I was going, (laughs) what I was doing and what made me happy um, Mm -hmm. and where I wanted to go. So I left um, Gordon Arata and went to the U.S. Fifth Circuit um, Staff Attorney's Office. And at the time, you know, one thing I really did love about being a lawyer and do love, though I don't do it as much anymore at all, really, is the research and writing piece. And I loved writing. Um, I love 
appellate writing particularly, and that was one area that I really um, wanted to focus on. And I did, and I was at the U.S. Fifth Circuit for several, several years, um, from 2005, uh, I guess 2006, because Katrina was 2005, so 2006 until I came to Loyola in 2012. And we did, we wrote, um, we would read the record, draft opinions for the Fifth Circuit, U.S. Fifth Circuit, on criminal matters, immigration matters, direct appeals, habeas, 1983 motions, all that. And um, it was really interesting. Um, I'd never, I'd liked my criminal law classes, but I never thought of myself as a criminal lawyer because I didn't see Mm -hmm. myself in court on either side, like, you know, that motion, really heavy motion practice and everything. (laughs) Um, And that's, you know, fly by the seat of your pants kind of, you know, adrenaline and everything wasn't my thing, but I really liked the area of law. And in the appellate level, of course, there's none of that. So you're just looking at the Mm -hmm. law and evaluating. And I like that process a lot. Um, But you know, after a few years, I got a little lonely. Um, it was a very, you know, isolating job and that you just sat there on your computer. And I love my colleagues and they were all great. But um, I missed that piece that had drawn me to both psychology and to the law was that helping and that um, being able to be a resource, be an advocate, you know, be, be supportive in some way um, to affect a person's life um, mm-hmm. that I met one-on-one and really build those relationships. Um and so a position became open at Loyola for a career advisor and I applied for it and um, was hired and I had a lot to learn, um, a lot to learn in that I thought, oh, well, I've been a lawyer, I've been out, I have a counseling degree, this can't be so hard. And I really, you know, really getting to know everybody as an individual and not generalizing, you know, that, oh, here's my experience is your experience. And that's not true. Everybody has their own experience and everybody has their own goals. And um, and having to remind myself, okay, law student world, not you've been out for 10 years. What you what is available now? What you know, what are their interests and what you know, so really kind of learning about how to be an advisor and um, that it's not therapy. But sometimes it can (laughs) be into therapy, you know, where are those boundaries? (laughs) You know, but I love, I mean, I really, I fell in love with it. And I, I was so excited to be back in law school. Um, you'll find a lot of people who come back to work at a law school will tell you that, you know, you get a little jaded being out <laughs> as a lawyer for a few years, like, oh God, you know, the legal profession. But to come back and to see you know, the passion and the excitement of my students and all the cool things they were doing. I mean, I'm pretty sure that my class was not doing all these cool things that students were doing. <laughs> I, it's just, and we see it with our employers too. Like what's going on? I see these resumes and, you know, the students are doing all of these amazing things. Like, yeah, they really are. And um, it, it's just so energizing. Um, for the one L's out there, I feel so bad because typically that first year of law school, there's tons of programs on campus, mm-hmm. all the stuff going yeah. on. And it's so energizing and thrilling um, that, you know, it's, I'm sorry they've had to miss some of that by being remote, but hopefully next year uh, we'll have more of it. But, um, and then my director uh, left and I became interim director and then um, was given the director office um, in 2015. So I've been the director since then. Amazing. I I will have to say you have done an excellent, excellent um, job 
of being everything and more that is required of you and it is in your job description. And I I shared this with the, uh, with those listening on the podcast about my mom and my family and having to take care of them last semester. And I, I remember, I think it was either the beginning of the semester or the end of the summer or the end of the semester, whichever it was. But I remember I emailed you. I can't remember what we were talking about. But then I told you a bit about my situation. And you were just very supportive. And just just simply by stating, you know, well, I hope everything's fine. And if you need anything to reach out. And so you, your intersection, I guess, as you say, of therapy and guidance is spot on. Um, even with all the little things. You're very, very kind. And and I think it was such a helpless feeling with COVID last year of, you know, of students who facing such enormous hardships and being in school mm-hmm. and ordinary life and ordinary hardships with this overlay of uncertainty with COVID and what that meant and all the ways. It was a really, um, I mean, I, I am so overcome with it, the grace with which our students handled it. It's really impressive to see. Um, you know, you were all pretty much rock stars there. <laughs> Continue to be. <laughs> Just threw us in, in the game and we, we yeah, did it. Yeah, you really, really did. I, uh, and I'm not surprised, but I'm really impressed. It's, it's great. I'm impressed with um, the legal field in general, and I definitely wanted to ask you mm-hmm. about um, how do you think the pandemic will continue to impact careers in this field and kind of thinking about it even myself, seeing how quickly firms and organizations mm-hmm. have adapted to this and now kind of seeing courts um, you know, adapt to this as well with parties that come before them. Um, I think it, it, when it comes to Zoom and some of the technology ways, it kind of helped. Of course, there were some negatives, but I think some of the benefits kind of helped in a way that communication might have been easier between mm-hmm. organization firms and clients. And when it came to courts, um, allowing some of the parties to have certain witnesses that they wouldn't be able to mm-hmm. have access to because of distance, um, of course, the negatives with the criminal system. But um, I think some of these new adaptations are going to be something mm-hmm. that this legal field should and will continue to keep. I agree. And I think now that people have, by force, been forced to do it, they see that, <laughs> yeah. especially older partners who have a way, or, you know, partners and lawyers who have with judges who have this one, you know, who've had this one view of how practice should be. And they've had to do it differently. Um, and you mm-hmm. see it can work and it saves money, saves time, um, can bring in uh, a more, uh, you know, representative, you know, maybe you can get that witness to come in. And that witness doesn't then have to take off work and drive to whatever. Right. You know, there's a lot of flexibility here. I think that we'll probably go back to a lot of in-person in general. I think that's probably the preference. Mm-hmm. But these elements, you hit the nail on the head, I think, with court practice, things like a status conference can be conducted probably remotely, particularly if it's a lot of trouble and expense for the parties to attend in person. Um, I think we're going to see a continuation and a growth of online legal services because, um, you know, people who are in rural areas who 
um, are disadvantaged in other ways um, are, are seeing all the different ways that they've been able to get services online. And there's going to be a demand mm-hmm. there. Um, when you think about if it, you know, if you live in a rural area or you don't have car access to transportation, for you to get right. to a lawyer's office is a lot. <laughs> and then if you have to go back and you know keep keep engaged, and that's that takes a lot of time and effort that a lot of people just and money that people don't have. And I think now mm-hmm. being able to offer an online intake meeting, an online you know exchange all your documents, you can share your screen and the your prospective client can show you all the things there and go over it. You can go over it with them. Um, That's transformative. I think it's going to continue to be. Um, In terms of careers, I think that the ability to hire someone to work remotely during the school year is going to be big and is going to increase. And I hope that leads to employers being more, um, maybe having a broader search of who they look for. They can interview remotely now, have a student work part-time, remotely. Um, for a student who wants to go to another state but is in, you know, different state for law school, mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe having an employer back home who you can still work with and have that on your resume, but you don't have to physically be there. Right. Um, bar exams, too, I think, are shifting. COVID forced the bar to look at whether the exam is really testing what we say it tests, whether it's the mm. best way to assess what we want to assess, um, and whether there are changes or not, I think the conversation has started um, for all the states on the bar exam and how that should change. Should there be a tweak to it? Should it stay the same? <laughs> should, should it be drastically different? But I do think those conversations are happening, and that can only affect um, future lawyers as well. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so one of the last questions I have for you is as the summer is about to begin, what advice could you give to one L's, two L's, um, part-time students, anyone on how to be the best law clerk, intern, summer associate, whatever it may be, not just necessarily to get an offer at the end of the Mm -hmm. summer, but to maintain some type of professional, you know, connection where they're able to rely on them in the future if it's for an offer or for a positive recommendation letter um, how are these students able to stand out from the other law students that they've had over the summer so in one word building relationships Um, and so when you start a job when a student starts a job on the first day um, you know show up as your best self make that first Mm -hmm. great impression um, unless you're told otherwise, you wear a suit or wear something approximating a suit. You may probably in the summer, especially if you're in a hot climate like New Orleans, you probably won't need to be in that suit for the whole summer. But and and somebody may tell you, what are you doing? Wear jeans, you know, wear whatever. But or unless you're told otherwise, unless you get the impression that you know, or at least dress up in some way um, to acknowledge and show respect for your employer and kind of take your dress code from there. Make an effort to meet people. Um, make an effort, even if it's not your direct supervisor, but if you are assigned to a cubicle and there are people in cubicles around you, meet them, say hello. Mm -hmm. These all sound really basic, but it's really that first, that's how you build is through the basics. And so meet people. Um, When you're given a project, always bring a notebook with you. If you're in person, if you're via zoom, write it all down precisely what's being asked. Um, what's the deadline that they need it by? 
keep in mind that when you're assigned a project, that your project is most likely a piece of something bigger. Um, and that if your piece is late or incomplete or missing, that then there's a bigger <laughs> mm -hmm. project that's being affected by that. So always bear that in mind and know that even if the deadline for, say, filing a pleading is one deadline, your deadline is probably earlier so that they can review it and see where it fits. And, all right. and so observe your deadlines. Ask questions. Never, ever be afraid to ask questions. Um, one thing I find helpful for students, when you first get an assignment, if you have a few minutes, if it's appropriate in your workplace, write a quick email to your supervisor summarizing. Thank you so much. It was great meeting with you. Um, I'm so excited to work on you know, not for every email, that sounds a little excessive, but just summarizing, <laughs> here's what you want me to work on. Here's the issue. And you'd like it by this date, just to confirm. And so mm -hmm. that way, everybody's on the same page. If in the course of your work, um, you're finding that you're running into a brick wall, or you are going down the dreaded rabbit hole of research, Oh, There's goodness, nothing yeah. worse. <laughs> All up and down there. Like, I don't even know which way is up anymore. <laughs> I'm completely lost. Stop and go speak to somebody and ask questions. Mm -hmm. Never be afraid to sound stupid or that you're not, you know, you're not on it or that you haven't. It's you're a student. And that's the beauty mm -hmm. of being a student is that it is expected that you'll ask questions. And it could be that there's not an answer. You know, in law school, um, we have exams <laughs> where there is an answer and it's, you know, different factors and you get the checks off for all getting all those things right. And there is an answer in the real world though. You may be asked to look into something, research something, write something for which there is no answer or has never been done before, or, you know, is rare situation or something. Um, and so ask and, and talk about it with your supervisor. Um, when you turn in, a draft, say you've written a sample motion or you've written a memo or mm -hmm. something, proofread it. Make sure it is not a draft in that it has typos, errors, comments. Um, if you have a question about something, depending on the style of wherever you are, you might insert a comment box or just keep a list of questions or observations or something, maybe drop a footnote. But you want to turn in the most perfect um, looking item that you can. Um, it really goes back to, can they trust, can your employer trust you with clients? If they were to hand this memo over to a client or submit it as part of a pleading, um, would it be embarrassing to them? You know, mm -hmm. and also think about your, your supervising attorney, how much time uh, does he or she or they um, have right now to really extensively redraft something? probably not a whole ton. So you want to make sure that it's grammatically correct, that you're not abbreviating, that you're not putting question marks in place of places where you don't know. And all of that, you know, that's fine in your own drafts, but try to send it in um, as perfect as you possibly can. Follow up once you submit something to see if there's anything else. Um, you know, and later on when you leave uh, your work, it's always nice to follow up. Whatever happened to that case, especially if you know something's pending, Something's yes. going to be heard. Follow up mm -hmm. and see, you know, and, and see if you can attend the hearing um, or the whatever. See if they will take you to a deposition in the case, you know, let the person know, I really enjoyed working on this. Is there an opportunity to, you know, do more work on this case? Ask for work. Um, always ask for work if you're left without it. Um, and 
you know, there's a line between socializing too much in the office, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You don't want to disrupt people, but you also don't want to sit in the office by yourself and not interact with anybody. Um, So try to get to know people, um, ask if they need help, if you have time. Um, One thing that happens a lot is that a student may have conflicting assignments. And so, you know, get an idea of what, what's the priority um, let, you know, another person who assigns you work, I'm working on this right now and this has an immediate deadline, but you know, will it be okay right. if I work on it after this and, and see, try to start that navigating process. You'll need that as an attorney. Um, be very careful of your social media and that you don't post anything that's confidential or derogatory mm-hmm. online, um, that can get you into some real trouble. Um, you know, it, a happy, interested attitude in not just your project, but in what people are doing is always welcome um, and leaves a good impression as well. Um, you know, and, and, and doing really good work, um, doing your very best at everything that's assigned to you. And then when you leave, say goodbye to everybody, uh, walk okay. around pleasure. Even if you didn't really know them that well, it's a pleasure working with you. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, as you would as a, a guest leaving an event, you know, you want um, to leave a good impression, send a thank right. you to your immediate supervisor or supervising attorneys and stay in touch, link them in. Um, when something new happens in your life, send them an email. Oh, you know, I'm so excited. I just, you know, joined the society or I just, you know, I'm, I'm working in this clinic, mm-hmm. I'm doing this and, you know, how are you? Happy holidays. Again, you're not emailing these people every week. <laughs> There's a line. Right. <laughs> There's a line. And, you know, and there is, and it's so interesting because, you know, as, as opposed to your friends, where it's one kind of keeping in touch, professional keeping in touch is <laughs> a little bit more structured and uh, briefer and more, but it is maintaining the contact. That's important. Yes, I I love the piece about the thank you note. I actually, me, I'm a huge fan of like written letters, mm-hmm. written cards. I love it. I have terrible handwriting. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> yes. At the end of the summer, I actually had my sister write out the thank you cards. <laughs> oh, that's I was a good like, idea. this is what I want to say. <laughs> just write it for me because, oh my yeah. gosh, it is terrible, terrible. And I just left them. Um, in everyone's offices. And I left one for uh, all the legal assistants, everyone in the office. And I got an email about 30 minutes right after I left, like my last day and everything. And the secretary there, she was just saying, thank you so much for your note. She was saying it brightened her day, everything like in in that. And I'm like, that's, that's truly important for some people, not just to maintain the connections, but it's just nice nice to know that you can, you know, Make somebody happy. And, you know, you bring up a really good point, Madison. Um, never, ever forget to thank and work carefully and respectfully with legal assistants and paralegals. Mm-hmm. Um, they can make or break you um, because their lives, they'll be there. Um, a good legal assistant, a good paralegal is incredibly hard to find. And so as a law student, you're coming into an ecosystem <laughs> that, you know, their their jobs are incredibly valuable and the work they do is often keeps an organization going in seamlessly. And so respect the work they do. Thank them. That's lovely that you wrote a note to them too, because, um, you know, you don't ever want to get, you know, thinking that you are above anybody, um, in the, in the structure of the organization. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Before we close out this episode, do you have anything that you would like to share with the soon-to-be Esquires <laughs> or um, specifically any tip, advice that you would love to share with aspiring women attorneys? Oh, wow. Yeah. So um, as a woman attorney and um, having run the gamut of having been single and having being married and having kids, um, it is, and, and I don't know that every woman is going to go through that, um, but I think employers mm-hmm. assume that you will. Um, right. And it is so important to be an advocate for yourself um, as a female attorney. And I'm going to speak to the female attorney piece first. Um, you know, that this situation with COVID, I think, has given us a unique opportunity to show employers, to show the legal profession, yeah, we can work <laughs> with a flexible schedule. We can work okay. from home and attend to, be it aging parents, be it a child, be it our own needs, um, separate from others, you know, as, as a woman, as a person, um, and, and still contribute and still be incredibly powerful and strong, amazing attorneys. And we bring a different perspective that's valuable. Um, and, you know, it's an amazing profession. It's, you know, the legal profession has a lot of room to grow in a lot of different ways, mm-hmm. women in terms of diversity, in terms of um, this new changing work life that we're finding. Um, there are a lot of shifts, but this is the place to be. I think we're seeing um, you know, so many opportunities now that are coming available, but we have to keep pushing. And, you know, it's going to be the next generation of, I feel so old but the next generation of, <laughs> of women um, and diverse lawyers and lawyers, first generation lawyers and people who are, you know, really um, going to transform our profession and, you know, keep pushing and keep doing it. And, you know, the, it's, it, you know, I think law school has such a, a supportive environment in that way. And the real world still has hurdles and they're hard ones. Um, so build your relationships, build your networks, um, keep your networks from law school, keep them intact when you leave, grow them, mentor new lawyers, mentor the next, you know, the ones who are coming up. Um, and then also mm-hmm. um, network up and laterally, you know, keep your relationship strong. Um, I think it's fair to say that for women, the ability to have a, a relationship network has always been a strength and we need to use that strength, um, in the legal profession and continue to do so. Um, and you know, if, if there's, I probably have no greater tip than that, you know, rely on each other and, and keep being supportive and keep pushing because that's how things get better and different and better for everyone. Right. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, You've given so much amazing guidance and advice, not just to me, not to just to everyone at Loyola, um, but also to all the listeners who are tuning into this episode of the podcast. So I greatly appreciate the time that you've taken out of your busy schedule to let me interview you today. And I look forward just to all of the amazing information and the resources that you have given out um, just within the short, short 40 odd minute episode. And I cannot wait to hear all the reviews and the amazing um, stories that I'm sure is going to follow from this episode. So thank you. Thank you. Thank well, it's you. It's been my, my pleasure, Madison. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was, it was a true pleasure to, to talk with you and, and to talk with your listeners too. 
Thank you all for tuning in for another episode of Soon to Be Esquire. Make sure you tune back in in another week, or I guess not next week, but the week after that, for another episode. And we only have two more left of the season. So be on the lookout. We're going to have one with three L. Super excited about that. And then I'm going to wrap up the season um, about basically what I'm looking forward to for the summer and going into 3L year. And I am really excited about wrapping up my 2L year. So make sure y'all tune into that. Thanks once again for tuning into the episode.